Say your prayers, little one. Don't forget my son to include everyone. Tuck you in, warm within, keep you free from sin till the Sandman he comes. A little Richard Cheese right there on the podcast, kicking it off. How cheesy can our relationship with our Creator be when it's just about routine prayers like that or just me trying to get something from God? And when I don't get that thing from God that I think that I ought to get, then then it just, I give up, I quit, I'm out. No, man, I, I have a guest today. Today, I have a real treat for you all, my friend Jay Spiegel, long-time listener. Long-time listener, first-time caller, right? <laughs> so I think I'll title this episode. Um, love this guy. Uh, by the way, Russ at ASI247.org. Um, I encourage you to write emails in. Uh, the show is kind of listener-driven. Um, donations also, if you could donate to the show, man, I'd really appreciate that. It's ASI247.org. Keeps this thing rolling down the internet super web highway. Anyhow, uh, Jay Spiegel is a guy who sent in emails who I had correspondence with over over the period of years, and with a lot of you, all right. But there's th- this guy, man, just gives me hope, and and just knowing him has been a blessing in my life. Doing this kind of work, I liken it to being in the corner ring with a boxer, right? Being like that coach. Or that guy in the MMA fight who's, who's you know, hey, get out there, buddy. You know, you're doing great. And, and patching him up and, and wiping the blood off him and, and sending him back out there. But in this fight, it's different because it's really that we are fighting ourselves. It's really that we need to surrender ourselves to God. And it's watching that process unfold. It's when people don't get that and they just think they have to fight this behavior. It's a little different. It's a little deeper than that. It's letting yourself be opened up. and it, like, that, like that scene in uh, the Chronicles of Narnia where, where the, the little boy's turned into a dragon. And he's trying to scrape the scales off him because it, it won't come off. This dragon thing won't come off him. And he just has to lay there and let Aslan, the lion character, right undress him just take this thing off him but he has to stay still long enough to let him right and it's it's that kind of fight and and doing this kind of work man it it can it can really be frustrating and you hurt for people and you you know i'm praying out to god and crying out to god am i even making a difference do my words make a difference lord and it's seeing a cat like jay see what what god's doing in his in this new season of results, man, this is a guy who I've seen grow, a guy who's plugged in, a guy who's just, his, his Jesus is changing his life and his world, and I thank God for guys like Jay. So, my friend Jay Spiegel, I'm going to kick this thing off, open it up with a little metallic up here. Say your 
Jay Spiegel on the podcast today to tee this thing up so some of you understand. Uh, season three is about results and really, you know, life change and seeing some real growth. Um, in the past, I've had a lot of authors and, and speakers and, and pastors and stuff like that on the podcast. And this season, I really, you know, going with just people that I know and regular folks and, and folks that have, uh, again, that have seen some victory and that have have growth in their life. And, and there's a lot of good information out there. Like, if it was just information-based, there would be no obesity in the United States, right? Like, there's not, there's not a lack of information. There's a lack of application of the information to put in your ear. Like, why, are, why is Russ doing um, these shows and these interviews? Because it's important, man. It is important that you see that this isn't, it's not hopeless. It's not a hopeless fight. Um, Jay, again, thank you for being on the podcast. We, we let in with uh, Metallica's Enter Sandman, which is an awesome tune. You requested some of the bumper music on the podcast today, and, and I was going to kick off the show by, uh, dude, how, what's up with Enter Sandman? Tell me, talk <laughs> to me, bro. Understand, man. Well, um, I was always kind of a uh, borderline metalhead. Um, right. Never got into it to the level that I think that you got into it. But um, you know, I always liked to rock out and bang my head a little bit. Metallica was one of those bands, and I always liked Understand, man. Um, before uh, what I guess I could call my descent into darkness, just because. But the lyrics really kind of resonated with the little boy in me who was scared of the monster under my bed. Right. And um, after the transformation or the, the deliverance from that those dark places where I like to reside, um, the lyrics took on a much deeper, more profound meaning to me. And um, as there's you know, in, in the second uh, in the section second little stanza that says tuck you in warm within keep you free from sin till the sandman he comes and um what i didn't what what i realized through this process that i've been in i guess um i guess the last over three and a half years now um has been that the sandman was within me kind of like paul's thorn in his flesh right and uh, i had some experiences in my recovery where I had to face that Sandman, um, that addict, if you will, that uh, I spent 45 years trying to deny I was there. And right. I tried to make it better by by doing things, whether it was habits, hobbies, sports, um, attachments to people I shouldn't have attached to, um, and fantasy. Uh, lots of masturbation and you know it, it reached a point to where everything that I was doing was some form of medication and I had no clue that I was doing it at the time and it all had to come to an end right. and um, you know, basically that that song really talks about you know later on in the song the lyric goes it, it, it's it's just the beast under your bed in your closet comma in your head and right that certainly is a big part of my story, and and that song is important to me for that reason. 
it's funny how lyrics kind of hit you at certain points in your life and, and music hits you at certain points in your life and, and can, uh, you know, it kind of help you see something that, that may exist inside you. Um, so Jay, you, what do you, what do you do, man? I'm, I kind of want to introduce you to, to the listeners. Um, you're a listener of the podcast. You and I have, have uh, exchanged emails back and forth for, for several years, a few years. And, uh, yeah. like, uh, what, what, who is Jay Spiegel? <laughs> what, what do you do? Where are you Who at? is Jay Spiegel? Well, well, there's a number of different angles that I can approach that with. I've certainly run it through my mind, both in, in thought and in, in writing in my journal, um, a number of different ways. But I guess to answer that question is, um, I had a bomb go off September 24, 2009. And at that point, um, I, I was left alone. Um, I, I knew some things that I know as truths now that were intuitive then, but they they certainly weren't um, solidified in me. And um, basically, um, one of my mentors is is Nate Larkin, who wrote the book Samson and the Pirate Monks, and and I walk with him. Um, it's, I'm just blessed to live just a few blocks away from him. Uh, where I live in Tennessee, and he talks frequently about the gift of desperation. And right. I wanted to know um, what I had become. I I knew that I was a Christian, but I thought I was hellbound. I uh, so I, I resorted um, to the internet and Google. I, I Google things like why do Christians commit adultery. I would go on iTunes and search, you know sexual addiction, I would search, um, anything related to recovery, and I ran across ran across you. And when I ran across you, I started listening to your podcast. I had a few years to catch up on. So uh, between you and folks like Jeff Fisher of Porn of Purity and um, other podcasts that are out there, I, I started to... Um, gain some understanding as to who I was and what I had become. And um, there was one thing that you wrote in one of those emails to me. Um, and I, I'm one of, I was one of those guys who would write really long emails. And I'm kind of amazed that you actually read them. <laughs> you wrote something that was really profound and it was just three words. And it was, and it, to me, it was the still small, small voice of the Holy Spirit. And it was love your wife. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wanted to know what that meant. I had no clue what that meant. And um, I, through the Holy Spirit, through the, the intercession of the Holy Spirit, um, interceding with sighs that are too deep for words, um, he put me on this path. And um, I am just really grateful for that because... Um, the understanding of what it means to love my wife started to come to me. And um, it started to push out my misconception of what love was, um, which, you know, before things started, before the transformation began, my perception of love was um, was through affirmation uh, from women and through fantasy and... Um, through feeling better from the realities of life that hit us. And I've had to go through a journey to where 
I was okay with these realities. And um, that's that, I guess, gives you the introduction to, to who Jay Spiegel is and who, who God is making me to be. Right. The the bomb going off is kind of the, the awakening, right? Um, right. Talk about that a little bit, Jay. I know that uh, there's people listening in different versions of that. Like there's single guys listening and, and you know, they don't see that as an issue because – well, they're not really accountable to anyone. But the thing is, I don't know, going into the future, getting into a relationship, this thing ain't going to go away on its own. And getting in a relationship isn't going to fix it. And then there's there's married married guys listening who, you know, they're not they're not honest about their compulsion and they're hiding it from their spouse, whether it's pornography or seeing prostitutes or you know, whatever it is, um, the bomb hasn't gone off yet. And uh, speak to that a, a little bit. Like what, how, how did that impact your heart? I mean, what happened in that, in that moment in those mm-hmm. times? Well, I'll talk a little bit about what led up to that bomb going off. Um, I, I gained a lot of affirmation from women and it was, it was my medication. If If it was just, just from something flirtatious or if it was from some woman telling me that I did a great job for, um, for one of the, you know, compulsive, you know, sports oriented habits that I was doing, it fed me and I kept going after more of that. Um, in the first 10 years of my marriage, um, I, I kind of got my affirmation through doing martial arts and getting out of the house and away from my wife so I wouldn't face the realities of marriage. Um, and, and I rationalized and justified it. It was okay. I was doing something healthy. I was, you know, you know, reciting the creeds that you recite uh, on doing that. And um, I had these little micro crushes on women in there, and I thought that was okay. I didn't know how to release that. And um, I trained my mind to go after those kinds of affirmations um, in those um, early years. And and, uh, at one point, I kind of got tired of doing that um, and became a couch potato for a couple of years. And I put on about 25 pounds. I got sick. I got really sick. Uh, January of 2001, lost about 15 pounds just sleeping on the bathroom floor um, uh, at that time. And I came out of that with my clothes fitting better, and I thought, man, i got to sustain this. So I started working out again at uh, the wellness center uh, where I work. And after several months, you know, 9-11 happened, and a little bit after that, um, I started noticing a, a, a woman who was working out in one of the aerobics classes there. And um, a few months after that, I struck up conversations with her, and then, Pretty soon, we're out running together because I, I wanted to knock having run a marathon off my bucket list. And I knew that I couldn't do it alone because I didn't have the discipline. But if I had had a running partner, you know, what better than to run with an attractive woman, right? Right. So, building a kind of yeah. life underneath to justify, right? Yeah. Right. And, you know, we. Uh, you know, there there were a lot of things that happened right after that. But later that fall, I uh, I was I was running compulsively, 
and I was doing a uh, training class with a group of folks, and I pulled up lame. I thought I, I turned an ankle, but it turned out that I got a stress fracture. And um, what that led to was a an evening in a local bar where we we're kind of drowning my sorrows. And you know, eight Guinnesses later, this this strange codependent relationship that was going to last um, really into the next six, seven years um, happened, and it became a very deep emotional affair. Mm. Uh, we never got physical, which is strange. I still kind of wonder why why we resisted that. Um, and and part, of, part of what sustained me through that was my pride in, um, in not having gotten physical. And I think that's one of the things that sustained it for as long as it did. Um, still, I was dealing with a lot of shame issues. Um, I was still... Um, an active participant in my Sunday school class, but um, that that shame drove me away. And for a number of years, I didn't go to church, and and that that's a deep sorrow of mine because of the example that I set for my kids at that time. Right. So as as my feelings um, for this person started to wane, as they as they always do, um, I met another person, and. Um, Within about six months, we were physical, and that lasted um, about four months until the time when the two women who knew each other, you know, I, I was doing not such a good job keeping them apart, um, sat down and and uh, met over dinner one night, and then all of the truth about me came out uh, between these two women. Mm. They, uh, The first one confronted me. And uh, I basically, you know, said, "Yeah, I've been doing this," and um, it, it uh, that that was the day my bomb went off, September twenty twenty fourth, two thousand nine, and it was. I went through a week of just white hot numbness, wondering what in the world happened. Right. I um, I went to Google. And I just typed in the question, why do Christians commit adultery? And be, you know, I, I, it brought me into a more sustained period of clarity to understand what I had been doing because all of the arrogant entitlement and um, just being a complete jerk to everyone around me and, and making them believe that I wasn't um, led me to a point uh, where all the moments of clarity would diminish and there were few and far between in those later years. Um, so in that, that moment of that clarity... Kind of, it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, in that moment of clarity, it brought up the title of a book written by John and Paula Sanford called Why Christians Commit Adultery. So I ordered that on the spot. And during lunch for the first um, month or so, I would take that book um, uh, to uh, a restaurant or wherever and just devour it trying to gain an understanding of how I got to the point to where I would do the things that I had been doing. And it led to a couple other books by that couple. And um, one was uh, Transformation of the Inner Man and uh, 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 Restoring the... uh, uh, I can't remember the name. Hold on just a second. It would be... uh, Restoring the Wounded Soul, I think was the name of the the other book. Anyway, those books were tremendously helpful in helping me understand the spiritual bondage that I was under. 
and there was a visual through um, through reading those books that came to me of being in a prison um, in hell, for lack of a better term, surrounded by the phantasmagoria of demonic influence in me, right. and the vision of Jesus coming and releasing the shackles from me and taking me out of that. Now, taking me out of that period was very, very painful um, for me for about the next year, year and a half. Um, it was, it was a difficult road, but it was one that I couldn't have have scripted. I didn't. All I knew was that the Holy Spirit had me. And if, you know, if you, I, I know that some folks might have an issue with the theological concepts in the book *The Shack* by William Paul Young. But there's some imagery in that book in which there, um, Mac, who's the char- lead character in there, is in the fractal garden, and the Holy Spirit character is um, is figuratively inside his spirit, cleaning out the weeds that had grown in his spirit, and um, it was extremely painful for for that character as it was for me, as the Holy Spirit was inside me, taking out the junk and cleaning out my my container of filth and um, things that grow on you. You know, I can totally relate to that. Like, and and a lot of it's identity stuff. You know, I I think about the the film pirates of the Caribbean, where it's kind of like you were talking about being in that prison where they're, they're on the ship, you know, and they start to grow into it. Like they got barnacles on them and stuff. Right. You know, David Jones locker. And and I so related to that. Like I was beautiful imagery of, of of addiction and waking up to that and starting to move around while you have all these crustaceans on you, you know, the stuff that grows on you and you think that that's you, right? And then finding out that that's holding you back or 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 keeping you from being alive, right? And and you're right. It's it's so hard and and painful to. It's a, it's a good kind of pain, though. It's kind of like working out pain, but you don't realize that going into it, you know? I feel like your life yeah, no, is coming you apart. Like, how do you – who the heck am I? Like, what the, <laughs> what am I doing? And and you were talking about that song, Slow Fade, by Casting Crowns, and, right. and how the, the lyrics of that song um, impacted you. In in your in your Christian walk, being being a Christian going through this, like why Christians committed adultery, looking up that book, had a lot to do with that tune, right? Yeah, it, it really did. I mean, the first I, I didn't really start this emotional affair until I was married for about eleven, twelve years. I mean, you, uh, can, you can call it a, the start of a midlife crisis if you want, but I think everybody has to go through a crisis in order to grow in one form or fashion. But that that slow fade didn't really even start until ten or eleven years into marriage, with small failings throughout those first ten or eleven years, and then it was kind of a progressive fade towards the decisions that I ultimately started making in two thousand and eight. That uh, that really led to death, and it brought death to my marriage. It uh, it, it brought me to a point to where. Um, I, I was just at my end, like like addicts need to reach in order for the transformation to begin. Um, right. And, and and it's that that some of the lyrics in that tune. I'll, I'll play it in a moment here, uh, and I want folks to to listen to the song. I'll play a bumper, or perhaps I'll play the whole song. I, 
don't know. There's always a legal issue there. But anyway, um, the, the lyrics to the song, you know, talking about that this doesn't happen overnight. Like this doesn't just happen in a, in an instant. It 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 progresses. I mean, sexual addiction is like that too. It it's a progression. It's a progressive disease of the heart. Um, True. Yep. So so here it is. This will fade. second glance that ties your hands as darkness pulls the strings be careful little feet where you go for it's the little feet behind you that are sure to follow it's a slow fade when you give yourself away it's a slow fade when black and white turn to gray and thoughts invade, choices are made, a price will be paid when you give yourself away. People never crumble in a day. It's a slow
I pray that that happens for folks. Like, this is wrong. It, it, it's wrong to commit adultery. It's wrong to commit an emotional affair. It's wrong to tie yourself to uh, someone of the opposite sex and, and pour yourself into them, even if you're not using your genitals, right? Um, so I guess I wanted to, to ask you about, you know, Nate Larkin and, and getting into the Samson Society. Is that some of the first time where you really started to to open up to other men or, or other guys and start talking about, you know, the inner workings of, of your, your thought process of rubbing off some of those barnacles, so to speak? Absolutely. Um, I, I knew that I, I needed to get back into some sort of Christian fellowship because I had been out of it for a long time, but I had too much shame to go back to the church I originally attended. Right. So, uh, you know, I, one of my addictions was racing bicycles at the time. And one of the, one of my buddies who I knew was a believer um, attended a church that had a Friday night service, and it didn't interfere with my bike habit. So I uh, I started going to these Friday night services, and through that I took communion for the first time in years after having confessed my sin to one of the pastors there who um, took me under his wing for, for a while. And... Um, I started getting involved in the men's ministry at that church, and there was a Thursday night. Uh, um, I can't remember what they call the Thursday night event, but it was it was kind of a to foment brotherhood. And um, Nate Larkin was invited to uh, speak one night, and I listened to him speak. I heard his story, which um, if if you don't know his story, I recommend buying his book Samson and the Pirate Monks and taking a look at it. But his story will curl your toes. But there were two words in the intro to that book that resonated with me, and they were liar and loner. And um, they were certainly things that that um, I identified with because they, they were me. They were what I was coming out of, and I wanted no part of that anymore. Um, I didn't know um, kind of the, the buzzword uh, is, is, is community, getting into community. I, I didn't know anything about that other than than being prompted by the Holy Spirit into it. And ironically, um, the original meeting of the Samson Society met in the church I used to attend, and I didn't even know it because they they were just forming it about the time I quit going. I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. Um, and after a couple of weeks of, of corresponding with Nate by email, I took the step and I went into my first meeting. And uh, I really haven't, Met, missed a week in which I attended at least one meeting since then, and I've become very close with Nate and with a number of guys in there, and it has really built my community. Um, the meetings that I go to every Monday are, and um, um, about every other Saturday um, are really my church. Um, right. Going to a traditional church service. Um, is going, it's still, even today, is almost like going through the motions. If I don't identify with what the pastor's speaking about, if I don't care for the worship music going on, I'll tune out. But I don't tune out in these meetings with these guys um, because right. it's a place where we sit around and we um, might have a topic and we um, we really talk, we talk about how that topic applies to our experience or we talk about whatever is, is on our mind that day or in our heart. And I had never seen that kind of transparency. I had never been in a room full of guys who love each other who aren't scared to say the word masturbation. And right. um, 
you know, it was uh, it was a huge eye opener for me. Um, I plugged into other aspects of of the Sampson Society as early on as I could, and I went to an intensive out in California when I was uh, visiting my mom. Um, is in the mountains, off the coastal mountains, off the San Luis Obispo, and it was really intense. I was exhausted at the end of it. Um, but I had, for the first time, worked through the course and consequences of my decisions to live apart from God. And um, wow, um, I was I was kind of I was pissed off, to put it bluntly, that I had allowed myself to get to the point where I was making those decisions, and also allowed myself to make the decisions that hurt my family and others as deeply as I did. Um, and right. it was it was one of the strongest spokes in my wheel of recovery, and um, and it I, I anticipate that it'll continue that that way for for a long time um, because I don't see the organized church addressing this issue with the uh, vigor that it needs to. It doesn't match um, it doesn't match the scope that it is. Its tentacles have invaded society, whether it's porn or affairs or um, alcoholism. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of window dressing, but there's very little depth. And um, you know, I, I just hope that through my my story, that some man can hear it and resonate with it a little bit, and maybe start to make decisions that. Um, kind of reverse their direction on the path that they're on. Yeah. You know, you're talking about that, and what comes to mind is is the huge difference between the gospel of Jesus Christ and and religion. And there's almost a false gospel of religion that says, um, come here, look pretty, you know, and, and maybe be accepted in your community and have people see you as a good person. Um and it's and it's a false it's a false good news because it because like you said it's not deep. I have a, a friend who is uh, he's planning a church in Texas, and it was like okay that's weird that's like trying to smuggle beer into Milwaukee like why would you <laughs> plan a church in Texas right? <laughs> yeah. And he was talking about you know some of the statistics on on organized religion in the South. And that especially around, you know, Texas in the Dallas-Fort Worth area um, where he's planning to plant Denton, something like that, around that area, that the the traditional, you know, church is losing people by in droves. Like it's the largest decline of, of attendance of church in the United States is in Texas. And I was like, wow. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. big, but I think it's it's like what you're saying, and people are starting to see that, especially with the economy the way it is, and people are suffering, and and you know the, the spiritual climate in a lot of just religious Christianity is a mile wide and an inch deep, and when mm-hmm. we hurt, you know, when it comes to whether it's a sexual problem or someone, you know, in a financial crisis. Um, there's not a lot of answers in just surfacy, bonehead, you know, look pretty religion. There's no good news. 
But when no. you get in a group with guys like like you're talking about, and here at our church, uh, Mars Hill Church in Seattle, it's funny you mention that. Our pastor wrote a book called Real Marriage, which became a, a New York Times bestseller. Um, but <laughs> a lot of Christian bookstores wouldn't carry it because of the sexually explicit nature of the book. And, and mm-hmm. our pastor had the courage to go after some of this stuff, to talk openly about pornography and to talk about sexual situations. And, and here he is being, <laughs> it was blew my mind that there's Christian bookstores that wouldn't, wouldn't carry his book. Yeah. Anyways, the, throwing that out there. But uh, again, we need to have good news in our lives. And, and if this thing is good news, if Jesus Christ, if God became a man, walked among us, to free us from our sin because we don't have the willpower to do it. If God did that, and if that's good news, then why why am I here? You know, I mean that that was a big one for me, and it's it's openly talking about that in a group of other Christians and having them, you know, have the experience and the knowledge of the Bible and of the gospel to answer those questions and to live it out all together. Mm. And that's being Amen. the church. The church is people, man. The church isn't a building. The church isn't you know something you do, some event you go to, like the Kiwanis Club or something like that. The church is people, and it's people living out this thing called the gospel of Jesus Christ. I had to acknowledge that Jesus is what it is all about, and it's just as simple as that. And it took Colossians 1, 15 and 16 for me, where um, in, in the ESV it says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And that told me um, better than almost any other verse that I am not God. I can't set myself up to be God anymore. And that was just a false pursuit that I spent 45 years of my life. Wow, that's true. All about him. And worship isn't just the music at church, is it, Jay? No, no, it's not. And I um I had I had to relearn how to worship. And right. uh I, I remember after I made a disclosure uh, about about my sin to my wife, you know, we uh separated in the house for uh 18 months, I think that's right, it's about 18 months, and I had a lot of moments of despair, but also a lot of moments of self-examination up there, but one day I I follow an Australian pastor on Facebook, and he posted a video of uh, Jesus Culture um, doing worship music um, with Kim Walker-Smith as the lead singer. Uh, doing a revelation song and I watched that video and I just fell on my knees and I it 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 started a season of of worshiping God um every night for a long time just right there in my bonus room and just releasing it and the tears came and and the just the simple acknowledgement that God loves us no matter what no matter what we've done um, he will restore and redeem anyone who submits to him as the creator of the universe. That's right. It's a 
it's a beautiful realization. Yeah. And uh, it's not something that you can stuff down people's throats. Like they have to experience it for themselves. People have to see nah, it. You, you know? You've got to be ready for it. you got to open your heart and mind. And, yeah, amen. Um, <laughs> it's, it, that, that's the... Uh, Maybe scraping off some of those barnacles, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but he he gives us the tools to do so. And that's um, right. for me, it was kind of in the shape of a wheel with Jesus as kind of the center of the axle. And the mm-hmm. spokes kept the integrity of the wheel intact. And um, each one of those spokes I, I would give a name to. Um, the first was confession and repentance on a continual basis, and then there's prayer, study, self-examination, um, listening to podcasts like yours, um, counseling, brotherhood and community, worship, which we just talked about, and, and staying faithful of the process. And uh, I guess the outside of the wheel was with me, making a contact with the realities of life and not being driven to medication when the feelings you know, the hurts, sadness, anger, um, fear, shame, guilt, and gladness, and loneliness might drive us away from right. from God. Um, and and I, I had to come to understand what those emotions and feelings were uh, in myself, and, and I talk about them all the time uh, with, with, with my guys, whether they're calling me or I'm calling them. We're all in the redemption story, you know. That's yeah. the truth of it. We're all, you know, it's it's waking up and realizing, you know, like you were saying, being in that place, being freed from, just like just like in Exodus, you know, being freed from Pharaoh, and and walking in this new land, and it's like we, we're being freed, but we don't necessarily like how we're being freed. Yeah, and that's. Yeah. <laughs> That's the yeah, challenge. the manna from heaven doesn't always taste all that great, but it's going to sustain you. That's right, yeah. and and he knows he knows more than we do, and it, that trusting is so incredibly. Um, it's hard, but it's freeingly hard, and it it'll either push us into his arms, or you know it'll have us question. I I don't know how how did that work out for you with uh with with the guys in the, the Samson society, like was there times I, there's always times where you don't want to go to group, but you go. Right. And yeah. then it, there's, there's, there's something happens there. Speak to that a little bit. Like when, you know, when life wasn't working out or your, your, your redemption story wasn't working out the way that you'd planned. I read a quote by a Mike Tyson the other day that said, everybody's got plans until they get hit. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So, so just speak to that a little bit. Well, yeah, you know, I, I got to acknowledge at this point I've, I've been in recovery for going on almost four years now, um, and you know, at first I couldn't wait to get to meetings, and when I got a little bit of serenity, you know, you start feeling better and that kind of thing. You start thinking, oh, I don't need to go to that meeting now. Uh, I don't. I don't need to go through, you know, kind of the emotional. Um, angst that you kind of feel when when you when you uh, you know see a man in a bad spot or you're in a bad spot yourself. Sometimes you just you just get tired from it. And um, you know I, w- I would 
still struggle with what having a little bit of resentment that I still have to stay engaged in this process. I still have to make a choice and be intentional about getting in the car, uh, going to wherever I'm going to the meeting, and walking in there and being authentic and transparent because it takes energy to look beyond the layers that build up in a day, especially if you haven't been in, in a prayerful attitude with, with the Lord throughout the day. Um, if you're going to be authentic and if you want to stay on this path and not go go into uh, the dark chambers, um, which I desperately do not want to go there again, um, it, it takes energy. And it's hard to keep doing it, but you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other on the right path. Um, otherwise, you'll find yourself straying in little tiny ways that can build up, and then the rationalizations right. and justifications can seep back in. All right. I want to do uh, to share this. Uh, this is from the Redemption book. A friend reminded me that of this on Facebook the other day, and it's repentance is a total change of mind, a replacement of the false god that rules your life, because idolatry is essentially about what you love. Repentance requires changing who who you love. Repentance turns your whole heart, your whole person, to God in love and trust and obedience instead of to the obedience of idols. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it, it's a turning away from those things that you love that is so true. Um, that 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 is, for lack of a better way of describing it, that it takes the energy and it quits feet away from your idols. It quits feeding that dog. Um, it's like that sermon, uh, the explosive power of a new affection, um, which is kind of hard to read, but it, it's worth taking some time to read it to get uh, at least a, a certification that if you turn away from those things that you uh, by nature will love and go after God to fill that God-shaped hole, that's yeah. God himself, not a false God, um, then that restoration happens and you become authentic, you become transparent, and you're able to walk in the light and um, not be fooled into thinking that the shadows um, might have an answer for you, which... Um, you know, for a long, long time, I thought that they did because of how they made me feel. Right. And um, they they numbed out um, all of the realities that we're designed to have that God put in, into us so that we would be naturally driven to him. But we've got to have permission to be driven to him through those feelings because um, just like James 5.16 says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you might be healed. Um, right. That was not intuitive to me. I wanted to keep my secrets. Right. And uh, a lot of the folks who are listening to this still want to hold on to their secrets, and I would encourage them to let them go. It's not worth all that energy that yeah. you put into it to uh, hold on to them because it's just going to take you down paths that are away from God. And where do you 
where would you want to want to go? If someone were to ask you on the street, do you want to go towards God or do you want to go towards darkness? You know, I, I would say just about everyone's going to say I want to go towards God because um, um, we've got to know that God does love us despite the things that, that we do, despite the things that we think. Um, God is there and he is omnipresent and it's in such a way that we're just completely uh, blind to him because of the medications that are out there, um, the idols and uh, the false worship that's available to us you know, at any time we want it. All we got to do is open up the computer or go go to a bar and start right. start making the bad decisions. Yeah, breaking that uh, breaking that habit. And uh, man, I thank you for being on the podcast, Jay. And, and talking about this stuff and, and shedding some light on the subject that uh, that just a lot of people not just keep in the dark but don't even know how to bring out into the light. And, and you, man, again, I, I thank you for, for listening to the podcast. I thank you for, for staying in touch with me over the years. And, and I thank you for, for your, your witness, dude, and just what you've been through. Um, uh, we're going to end the show on, on, on that song that you were talking about, you know, um, Jesus Culture by Kim Walker Smith. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful tune. And again, Jay, thanks for being on the Russ, show. Is there any, any closing thoughts that that, uh, that you you might want to put out there? Uh, well, well, first off, um, the, the morning I made my disclosure to my wife, I... I spent about three hours listening to um, listening to you and to a couple other guys uh, on their podcasts, and uh, it, it helped bolster my uh, my resolve to get it done and to start a journey that I knew was going to be long and hard. But I would just close by saying that the hard choices are the choices you want to make. You don't want to press the easy button, so to speak. Um, you know. It's uh, if you're going to be truly in in connect in connection with God and with yourself and what's going on with your heart, you've got to be willing to do the hard work. And I'm not talking about performance or anything like that. I'm talking about looking within and almost having a monastic approach to connecting with a risen Lord and Savior, and um, and not talking so much but listening and hearing what he would have to say, because that still small voice, in my experience, has only been two or three, four words. And um, those those moments when I've heard it have um, have really been like, uh, like a giant leap forward in my recovery uh, and have brought the most number of epiphanies. And I got to say, if, if, if anybody listening is in a hard spot, Ask questions and be open and put yourself in a position where you're going to hear the truth and uh, quit falling for the lie. That's right. Amen. You know, get some people around you. If you have to something big to confess that's on your heart, man, have a, have some people around you to, to walk you through that. Don't do it alone. You Amen. know, um, be mindful of the fact that you're a flawed human being and that you need other people it's a weight to carry and it's like you know one pastor said it's like holding a, a beach ball underwater 
you release it and you feel good, but there's still the bomb has gone off and there's shrapnel and there's there's a bloody mess to clean up and, and do Yeah, there on. are consequences to our decisions for sure. Amen. Thanks again, Jay. Um been a been a great talk and uh I, again I words can't describe how, how I'm humbled and honored that a guy like you uh listens to listens to a, a messed up jacked up pizza dude from Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we're brothers, man. That's right. And we're just walking this path together. I, I think it's a cool thing that you're doing what you're doing. Um, it, it's it's uh, it really is God's work, and I thank you for the sacrifices that you make to bring the messages that you bring to your audience. And you've got a large audience, I know. Right. A lot of guys listen to you that you don't know about. Well, thanks, man. I appreciate it, and. Uh... Till next time, uh, this is Kim Walker Smith. Song's Revelation song. Thanks, right. man. And uh, thank you. Putting it out there. Here it goes. And until next week. Bye. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy.